Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I'm Precious D. My other host, Honeybee, is not here today because we're doing one of those role-playing episodes we do every now and then. Today, I have with me Clipper Arnold, and he is here to talk about his expansion for a game he already has. It's called Toku Legends, and it is funding now on Kickstarter. Welcome to the show, Clipper. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and uh, talk more about the game. Yeah, so this is an expansion for Nebula Chaos? Yes, exactly. So um, Nebula Chaos is a sci-fi, space opera, tabletop RPG. It runs on what we call the Polyhedra Core Engine, um, which is sort of a system that I've been running for probably over a decade. Um, it's pretty, uh, straightforward for the most part, like a 2d6 plus stat system. I don't know how familiar mm -hmm. you or your audience might be with those, uh, mechanic, uh, minutia, but, um, basically it's just built to facilitate, um, you know, relatively like straightforward, quick and easy role playing, but with enough, um, depth to give people a robust experience. Um, so we made a game called Justice Velocity in 2019, which is a Fast and Furious-inspired tabletop RPG, uh, kind of like action movie, buff guys, explosions, that kind of thing. Uh, and we followed that up with Nebula Chaos, which is the same system, but it's in space, you know, with uh, laser swords, goofy aliens, stuff like that. Um, and then Toku Legends is a supplement for uh, Nebula Chaos, which is, uh, you know, a Tokusatsu-inspired uh, henshin heroes type of thing so you know power rangers super sentai common rider um basically sci-fi squad based superheroes is uh the whole angle so yes and that is why we have you here today because we talk about kaiju movies here but we also talk about related role-playing games when they come up and there seems to be more and more of them these days uh, mm -hmm. which is great Hello. yeah i saw you guys had some uh power rangers episodes on there and stuff I, I actually, you know, yeah. I was doing a lot of research and I was like, oh, this is a kaiju podcast. I'm like, I don't know. The, like, there are kaiju in Toku Legends, but I was like, for a moment, yeah. I was like, I don't know if we have enough kaiju. And then I was like, oh, they do other <laughs> stuff too. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it's mostly kaiju. But I mean, there's, you know, Power Rangers, there's a kaiju at the end of every episode. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, you know, it, it's related. Um, yeah, at uh, G-Fest last year, I did a panel on kaiju in role-playing games and it seems like enough new stuff has come out this year i'll do an update to that panel if they select me to do so so uh that's we'll certainly be talking about toku legends if we get to do that panel cool uh, yeah. yeah but it, it's all uh you know variations on that on that theme as long as a big monster shows up at some point we'll talk about it yeah cool so uh, what is uh, what are you adding to Nebula Chaos with this supplement specifically? What kind of new rules and options are in the Toku Legends? Sure. So we're trying to keep it uh, quick and punchy, super tight, you know, trying to do like a, 
the page range we're shooting for is 16 to 24 pages because we're trying to make it, you know, a zine with uh, not overburdening people with enough rules, with too many rules rather, but giving them enough to run the type of game that we want to play. And so that being said, it's the main differences between Toku Legends and Nebula Chaos are the changes that we made to adapt it to a more uh, squad-based superhero system instead of, you know, space opera type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's still like blasters, swords, laser swords, um, psionic abilities, you know, stuff like that, that have like a good crossover between the two. But the stuff that makes it more uniquely Toku are there's a henshin mechanic, right? So on your character sheet, there's a civilian mode and then there's a henshin mode. Uh, and you can transform between the two. Uh, it has an effect on your energy points, you know? Um, and there's some sort of like mechanical incentive in some instances where you do want to be in civilian mode before you ultimately transform. Um, and that's just sort of alluding to, you know, uh, a, lo a lot of... Uh, you know, common Rider, Super Sentai, etc., sort of plays on that angle of like, you know, that there's something outside of your hero mode that you have to engage in, like you have to go to a day job or whatever, you know. And so there's some like role playing opportunities there, uh, but also you know, like in Power Rangers or something, sometimes the putties get sprung on uh, the heroes before they have time to transform, so you have to do yeah. a little bit of back and forth and uh, build up to uh, that cool moment. So it's, that's sort of like the henshin mechanic is sort of alluding to that, right? Um, it, it just like the power fantasy of transforming from your regular mode into the super-powered suit type of thing. Um, but also the energy point system was one of the elements that we changed. So I guess this sort of ties into that too, is like when you're in civilian mode, it starts uh, as it would in any of our other games, right? Which is where you have an energy point total. It starts at its maximum and it goes down. But once you transform, you start at uh, zero and you build up energy points for every moment of combat or what we call tense situations. Um, and that's sort of also in the Toku vein of like, you know, you don't just walk into a room as common rider and use your most powerful attack and then leave right you uh you know you you're building up to those moments uh so we have that in the energy point system but we also have something called a squad point system which is uh another table where you're building up throughout the course of a session through um collaborated maneuvers and teamwork etc points that let you do special abilities or special effect, uh, effects some of those are like you know, finishing moves or ultimate team attacks, but they're also like sometimes support abilities. Like you can um, use your squad points that you've built up to save an ally from a, um, you know, like a, a fire building, a flaming building falling on top of his head. There's an, an ability called emergency extraction, you know, stuff like that. Uh -huh. um, so but basically just trying to replicate that, like um, that energy and like the momentum of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some sort of like tokusatsu show where this all right. builds up throughout the course of an episode until it gets released in a very dramatic climactic moment. So yeah, you can't just go straight to Megazord as soon as the putties show up and just stomp on. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a crescendo. Yeah, you got to build up to it. So um, I think it'd be hilarious if they actually did that one time. <laughs> Let's just cut yeah. the splat. Why didn't they just take the eagles to Mordor? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Eagles, not taxis. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, it. I mean, so those are like the more the core like mechanical differences in this system. But then there's also like, you know, we made a bunch of uh, unique abilities and weapons and items and vehicles and enemies to more fit the theme uh, more appropriately. Uh, there is also a, a bit of mecha rules for uh, when the kaijin turns into a kaiju, of course. And mm. you have to uh, combine and use uh, a co-piloted five-person mech to take it down. So, Right. And when it gets to that point, do the individual players still have things they they have to do, you know, each person doing something on their turn, or do they just decide as a group what the mech is going to do, or how does that work? Uh, actually, both of those. Uh, so there's two different ways to run it. One is uh, what we call piloting roles, roles spelled mm -hmm. R-O-L-E-S. Uh, and that's basically like, you know, you have one person responsible for moving the legs, you have one person responsible for ranged weapons, one person responsible for the melee. And then if you have, you have more players than that, you know, there's also someone working communications or the computer targeting system. Uh, so that's one way. That's how I ran it in our test sessions, and it actually works surprisingly well. Um, but there's also the alternative optional rule, which is committee, which is basically you just treat the mech as a single player character. And mm -hmm. everyone sort of decides as a group uh, what actions it will take for that turn. And so that might be more appropriate for, uh, you know, like if you're running a nine-person group or something like that, <laughs> you, it's easier to just get everyone to agree on what the mech should do rather than parting out each little finger or something like that, presumably. Right. So, uh, so yeah, both similar, of those. I've seen a similar thing in lots of Starship-based games. Yeah. Where once the when combat starts, each player has a different role they have to do in each round. Engineers got to tune things up, and the weapon guys got to take aim, and the navigator has to maneuver and that kind of stuff. And it keeps, yeah, definitely you know, it that keeps everybody involved instead of just the captain pulling the trigger and then while everybody else sits around and watches. Yeah, and like those games, I mean, um, like presumably, I mean, I guess it depends on the game, but at least the way that we run it, like. We've only rip whipped out the transforming mech once in like eight sessions. Uh, and I think it'll probably make another appearance in the finale here this week. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like you're not running it necessarily every session. But when it comes out, it's a big dramatic moment, right? So. Also, I should say it's not like a, it, with, with that in mind, a lot of our rules that use uh, what people might call subsystems is they're typically built to be something that's like quick and punchy and easy and adaptable. That way you're not reading like 30 pages of mecha rules just to run it for like that one session, right? Or 30 pages of Starship rules. It's supposed to be relatively seamless, relatively simple and straightforward just to get, um, you know, that, that narrative experience while also having enough of a mechanical depth to sort of back it up. So, so like if, yeah. if anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh, nice, I'm going to be running a mecha game and a mech's going to come out every session, this might not be <laughs> the game for that. But if you are wanting to throw it in to get that big climactic moment, that's sort of what we have it there for, you know, so. Okay. Now, I have, I have Nebula Chaos. I, am, uh, I think I, I backed that Kickstarter, what, a year ago, two years ago? Whatever that was. Awesome. Thank you so for supporting us. You're welcome. I had this copy sitting on my computer. I haven't actually had time to play it. As we all know, and as I've said many times before, games are not for playing. They're for collecting. Gazing out longingly. <laughs> hoping for the day you will get to 
good play. <laughs> but uh, I want to say I really like the art in Nebula Chaos. Who uh, who did the art, and, and are they doing the art on this game as well? Yeah, so I, I also am a fan of the art. I'm not uh, personally a stellar 2D artist, so I'm very appreciative of um, the people that do that kind of work. Uh, in Nebula Chaos specifically, the cover art was done by Armand Villavere, who is a comic book artist based out of Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I'm originally from. Um, he did a comic book called uh, Gladstone's School of World Conquerors, which is kind of cool. It's like a, like an evil Teen Titans kind of thing. Um, and he's just been an artist who I, I've thought was really cool for a while. So it's really nice when you get to like collaborate with people that you've admired and uh, work with them on projects like this. So he did the cover. Uh, Metacomic Studios, who are based out of Indonesia, I've worked with them on quite a few projects, including our uh, Morkborg module that we made. They did the comic, the comic at the beginning of that, but they did most of the interior art. Um, and then I also did one piece of art for it. It's the page that has all the aliens on it. There's like 30 aliens on the page. The alien species uh, that... I did that page, uh, but that's my only contribution in terms of artwork uh, to that project. Also, Anders Carlson did the alpha art for it. Um, so he has one page in there. And then um, Logan Stahl finally is the um, artist who did the, the individual figure art. So when, when there's all the um, pre-made characters and everything, that's his... Mm -hmm art there and he has a very specific style he specializes in doing um science fantasy and sci-fi type of art so he's he's a really cool dude too um in toku legends however we have one artist and his name is Corey lewis and he's similarly to armand villavere is just an amazing artist who i've admired for a very long time he has a very specific style he's worked on a lot of projects and similarly i was very ecstatic to have him uh, his help with putting Toku Legends together. Um, so he's the sole artist on the Toku Legends scene, which is really cool. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how that all turns out. So uh, this is obviously this uh, you care about. What uh, what inspired this? Did you grow up watching these kind of shows? Is, is that something you've always been a big fan of? Yeah, I mean... Um... So, like, obviously, I was super into Power Rangers when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and increasingly, I've gotten, you know, really into, um, you know, the original Kamen Rider manga, um, the Go Ranger manga. Uh, you know, I've, I've been surrounded by, like, squad-based heroes media in some capacity. Um, you know, like, e even in my mind, I feel like uh, Sailor Moon is very similar to like super sentai in some ways mm -hmm. or even like teenage mutant ninja turtles have like some uh a family resemblance if you will um but yeah i just have always really liked the design of the characters you know the helmets the belts this like merging between like sci-fi and uh bio and like magic and everything like that it just is very evocative all the heroes are always very colorful there's this just a lot of unique elements, you know, like this stuff that we were talking about before, like transforming heroes being like a core trope, uh, 
monsters that turn into giant kaijus that you need to take out with a mech is <laughs> like just lots of those elements uh really speak to something specific uh in that genre that i'm really into i mean there's a lot of influences named um in the zine like towards the end and stuff like that some of those are more unconventional i will say like personally i haven't watched a lot of um the source material of like super sentai i'm more familiar with the manga and like a few of the shows i am into common writer um probably not like the biggest common writer head on the planet but i you know i definitely like common writer um and then there's more like some more obscure like left to center references as well i really like samurai flamenco as well i just want to give that one a quick shout out and like beautiful joe and stuff like that um but yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. I try to pull from like a large web of influences, you know, and try try to do the source material justice as much as uh, possible through like doing the research and everything as well. So, Did you get a chance to see Shin Kamen Rider when it was in the theater? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. It was only showing for yeah. one day in New York. It was really funny too, because I invited like probably eight of my mm -hmm. friends. And it was one of those things where it's like, I was very into going, like, I could not miss it. And so I invited, like, a bunch of people who, like, might be interested in seeing this cool movie, you know? And everyone surprisingly agreed to go. But then when I went to buy the tickets, there were only three tickets left. And then we found out who uh, <laughs> who really yeah. wanted to go. So, um, uh, but it was amazing. I mean, we bought the tickets at the last minute, too. So, of course, we were, like, in the very front Oof. row with the big screen yeah. covering over us. But... Um, but I will say one of the most amazing movies I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anything quite exactly like that before. And I have a hard time believing that there's anything that's going to be made exactly like that ever again. Cause it was just really like amazing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Just very like cool moments, very like great storytelling. I'm amazed that they were able to condense like a whole season into like one one yeah. like movie you know um and i don't know just a lot of great cinematography as well really interesting shots and just what i liked most right is like um it kept a very specific uh sort of tone throughout that's a very unique tone uh to ano uh but that has crossover to the first common writer season and also that it didn't lose just like the cool factor. Like, I feel like that's a really big part of Toku, right? Is just seeing like, you know, him transform his motorcycle into like 50 jets and skyrocket into the sky only to do this giant rider kick, like descending down from mm -hmm. the heavens. Like, that's just like, nothing beats that. You know, I was like, almost like jumping out of my chair when I saw that, just like at how cool it was, you know? Well, there was only about five people in the theater here. And for most of those events, whatever it is, there's usually only about five people in the theater here. Does it doesn't matter if it's that's it doesn't matter if it's yeah. opera or riff tracks or Doctor Who or Shin Ultraman, there's only ever like five people in the theater. Uh which is good. Damn, that's yeah, crazy. It's good for me though. And I, I did uh, I didn't know that much about Common Rider, but I took a friend who like common rider was their favorite thing <laughs> so she was able to fill me in on oh yeah that's from the show no that's a new thing uh, so it was good to have that uh, 
expertise on hand to help me out. And then, it, and then it appeared on Amazon like immediately, which I thought was weird. It took forever for um, Shin Ultraman to be available like on DVD, but they put Shin Kamen Rider up immediately almost. Yeah, right. I, I still haven't seen Shin Ultraman either. And I think um, they released it the same night at that theater. So it was like I had to, you had to make mm. a choice. You know, oh, I saw a month Because it was I for one night apart. only, you know. They were on months apart. And it, uh, oh, okay. and I think they had two nights. They had like an English night and a, and a subtitled night. Oh, interesting. Okay. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't remember if Kamen Rider had that option, though. I think it just had the one night here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so w- what is your favorite Kozatsu? You know, that's really hard okay. to say because I feel like it, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I'm tempted to just say Shin Kamen Rider after <laughs> just giving it that glowing review. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I try to pull from a lot. I'm watching Zero One right now, which is, uh, not great, but I'm like it doesn't working. I mean, like it, one, like one know? specific. You know, like is it generally Power Rangers? There's not like one specific version of Power Rangers, or what? You know, is it Common Rider in general, or probably Common Rider? I would say. I mean, definitely, there's still like the heart of Power Rangers uh, will like always live on inside right. of me because I was like really into it as a kid, you know. But um, yeah, I don't know. I've I've been a lot more into Common Rider in recent years. There's just something um it it feels like it I I mean not that Super Sentai or Power Rangers doesn't have this, but it just has a very specific tonal mm-hmm. difference to me um that that I feel is like more desirable I'm sure, personally. Uh, so. most Americans Power Rangers was their their gateway, <laughs> their opening, their introduction. Mm-hmm. I was a little too old for Power Rangers when it when it came out. So I never really got into it because I could, you know, I was just old enough to see all the flaws, <laughs> the the bad, the bad sure, acting. Yeah. It was the bad acting. <laughs> it was just like, okay, yeah, but, for sure. But uh, I've always been into you know, Godzilla movies and that kind of thing. So, um, and in doing this show, of course, we're anything peripheral, it's coming across our our view as we go through on this show, we go through the history of this whole thing. So when we got to that point, we had to talk about power Rangers and, uh, and the power Rangers movie. Oh yeah, totally. So, so. but we, we don't do too much. TV. I have to send you something. Okay. This is like a joke I made on the internet a while back. Uh, I, I guess for the listeners at home, here's the joke. Uh, it's someone spraying particles all over someone else. And it says, yeah, man. So Common Rider is actually made by the same guy who made Power Rangers, except in Japan they're called Super Sentai, and it falls under the Tokusatsu genre. Sentai just means fighting group, and Tokusatsu is special filming, which actually began with the original Godzilla. Uh, I've like yeah. word vomited that whole paragraph to my wife like six <laughs> times. So, <laughs> uh, did it not take the first five times? Or she just tuned you out? Uh. She's, you know, it's always, she's like, wait, so what is it? Godzilla? And I'm just like, yeah, so. Because <laughs> it is funny. I mean, that's like a, in a very boiled down, like, explanation. That's like what it is, you know. But uh, to anyone who's unfamiliar with it, it's just a mess of words, you know, <laughs> which is like kind of funny. 
but yeah i mean that was kind of the funny thing too about like you know calling it toku legends right i guess i mean anything right so like tokusatsu i think most people technically it means like special filming special effects right which dates back to godzilla monster movies etc uh but when people talk about toku or like tokusatsu at least in the west a lot of times they're referring specifically to like the brand of like transforming heroes like you know super sentai or common rider or power rangers yeah. right or garo or so on and so forth um so it it's you know it's it's definitely a term that has an interesting and nuanced and meaningful history uh but it's also context dependent right so it's like a whole thing yeah yeah well it's like uh, people use the term kaiju uh, when they really mean daikaiju and uh, it has a more generic meaning but we all know what we mean when we say kaiju we know what we're we understand sure yeah what we're talking about so uh toku legends is funding on kickstarter now it's got about five days to go at the time of this recording i'm gonna try to get this out later today just so people have time to check it out um, but I believe you did reach a funding goal already, though, right? Yeah, a little bit after the first day, we reached our initial funding goal, which is great, because that just means that the book will exist in some capacity, and people will have access to it and get to look at the pretty pictures or play it ultimately. Um, but yeah, right now we're coming up on our first stretch goal. Uh, we got quite a few more. I don't know how far into the stretch goals that we'll get, but some of the items on there are free stickers bonus art for the zine potentially a digital comic illustrated by Corey lewis uh starting adventures stuff like that um but yeah i mean i'm just happy this is definitely a passion project for me so making it into a reality is like the big thrust of it and getting it out there for people to enjoy is you know what it's all about so Everything after that is just sort of icing on the cake for everyone who's supporting it and for us who are making it. So I'm really happy that everyone supported this thus far. Um, I'm happy that we have the opportunity to still fund it and get it into more people's hands. And yeah, uh, thank you for doing this show and you know hopefully getting it in front of a few more people uh, who might be interested and um, you know helping to support us uh, in that endeavor. Yeah, really we'll put a, a link to the Kickstarter starter in the show notes folks follow that this is part of zine quest 2024 which uh is when when um, kickstarter encourages people to put out little zine sized role-playing games i don't know if they other other types of zines are included all i ever see the role-playing ones zines used to be about all kinds of different things usually punk music that kind of stuff. yeah i think the yeah, totally. Well, I think that's sort of what's great about it, right? Is like in tabletop RPGs and punk scenes, they both like had a zine moment and it was around the same time frame and they were both sort of evolving at the same time. And like as a punk musician myself and as like a tabletop RPG designer myself, I I get a big kick out of the crossover of that type of thing. Um, but yeah, the Kickstarter zine quest is pretty uniquely uh, tabletop RPG oriented. So... All right, well, Clipper, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, folks, as always, if you enjoy the show, please uh, rate and review us on wherever it is you're listening to us. You can find links to all our stuff at mnftg.com. And, of course, if you want to support the show, we have a Patreon at patreon.com 
com slash mmftg.com. And as I said, check out our show notes for the link to the Kickstarter. And uh, I will put the link to your, um, uh, your, your regular webpage in there as well. Thanks again for joining me, Clipper. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. Until next time, I have been Precious D. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. Whatever you do, do not misuse science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacano folk rock punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.